So if you would look on the screen here, and if you would uh, or open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 1 through 7, I think this is a very important passage for us as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to talk about the unity of the Spirit. You might not have noticed it, but everything in this service today has been about unity. And here is an incredible passage that will speak to our hearts today. Once again, the title is The Unity of the Spirit. Say that with me, The Unity of the Spirit. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a worthy in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, these verses, verse 4 and 5, listen to this. This is talking about Christians. These verses 4 and 5 are talking about the kingdom of God. And it's talking about everyone, no matter who they are, that is in the kingdom of God. Now, who is in the kingdom of God? Listen, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And everyone who is in the kingdom of God has these seven things. Everyone. Here it says, For there is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Father, we ask that your anointing would rest upon this message today. We pray that you would form our hearts more into kingdom people, those who are part of the family of God, those who are indwelt by the Spirit of the Lord. Help us today. We're so needy. We're flawed and we need your sanctifying grace. We pray for our nation today. We pray for healing in our land. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Are you going to listen close today? All right. Now, as I read this, as we read this together, as I read it in your hearing, there's something that the Lord of the church... Now, we have no pope... Okay, but we have, we have a leader. We have one leader over the church, and his name is Jesus. He is the head, and we're the body. That's it. And when I read this passage of Scripture in your hearing, it, it speaks very clearly to me. The, the big idea, Brother Keith, the big idea is this. The Lord expects his family to walk together in unity to the glory of God. That's the idea here. That's the message here. Now, what we need to understand is that unity is not just a possibility, 
But it is a divine requirement for everyone who is part, truly part, of the kingdom of God. Now, as I look at the world, as I look at the Word of God, and I, and I have to look through the lens of the Word of God, because this is the government of the kingdom of God. This is the government of Christian lives. This is the government of Christian families. This is the government. This is the pathway. These are the principles by which we're to operate in the kingdom of God. And what I see when I look at this, and I look at the world, I understand this, that true unity is impossible outside of our Lord Jesus Christ. But in him, I mean, all things are possible through him. And this is what Jesus does. Jesus brings us together. Now, notice what Paul does here. If you look at verse 1, the first word of verse 1 is therefore. Say that with me. Therefore. So what's Paul doing here? Paul has just spent three chapters talking about doctrine. He's talking about what, what, what is the message of Ephesians. It's, the theme is the church. What is the church? And Paul lays down the doctrine of the church and then for three chapters. And now he's going to take three more chapters, chapters 4, 5, and 6. And he's going to talk about, in light, therefore, in light of this, this is how you live. Got it? In light of this, what Jesus has done in creating the church, now, therefore, for therefore, this is what you do. And because of this, you do this. And what is the, what is the this? This is, this is that, that we, there is unity in the body, and we have to walk in that unity. We have to maintain that unity. We don't create it, which I'll share with you in just a moment. So this whole passage is about you can't take doctrine and divorce it from duty. Faith without works is it's dead. That's right. So the passage teaches the unity of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're one in him. Listen to what Philippians says. Only conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come or see you or remain absent, that I will hear that you are standing firm, notice this, in one spirit, and then with one mind, striving Together, Do you see all the togetherness? Together for, for what? The faith of the gospel. So when Paul, through the Holy Spirit, speaks about the church, he says we're to be one. We're to be locked arm in arm in the world. We're in the world. We're not of the world. And we're proclaiming Christ to a lost world. We need to be fighting the battle of proclaiming this gospel that changes lives. Look at what Paul said in Corinthians. Now I exhort you. That's strong. That's more than just encouragement. It's a very strong word. I exhort, I exhort you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same, in the same mind and in the same judgment. Do you, see, do you see this divine requirement? Not just a possibility, not just doctrine, but it has to be a reality. We have to make it happen, and we can. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord lives in us. Now look at this. Three things I want to say. I realize we have, we're bumping up against another service in about 20, 30 minutes, or at least the dismissing you and getting the others in here. 
But the first thing I want you to see, there's some principles about Christian unity here. So think about this. What's the basis for our unity? Here's the thing. We're so different. Do you know we're so different? There's differences in your own home. Different likes, different ways of seeing things. Our world is very diverse today. There's differences in backgrounds, in cultures, in, in economies, in lifestyles. So many differences. So what's the basis of unity? Now, I'm speaking from the Christian. I'm speaking from the kingdom of God. What is the basis of the unity which Paul is exhorting and challenging and saying, you've got to do this if you're going to be the church on the earth. If you're going to glorify my name, if you're going to be sought, if you're going to be light, you've got to do this. And there's two bases, two principles that, are, that, that we're going to pull out here of Christian unity. Two areas. One is we all share common ground. Now I'm speaking to Christians. We got any Christians in here? Shout amen. amen. Do you realize we share common ground? Now look at it with me here as we see this. Do you know we, we, we talked about the night that Jesus was betrayed, the night before he was crucified? He had a prayer meeting. Do you remember the prayer meeting? You remember where it is? John 17. And we call it the high priestly prayer. So Jesus is about to leave. So What's important to him? What's on his heart? Now, if, if, you know, he knew he was going to die for, the sins, for our sins. So if you knew your time was limited, would you be talking about the latest video game? Would you be talking about the, would you be talking what Herod's doing in the political this and that? No, you would weigh your words. You would talk about what's the most important thing. You have your family around here. You want to speak to them. You want to say something to them that's going to help them in the future. Here Jesus is. He knows he's going to die. He knows that he's going to be leaving soon. What's important to him? He's got his family around him. And he's praying. Here's what he says in John 17. I do not ask. He's praying to the Father and they're listening. I do not ask on behalf of these alone. But for those who also, or also who, believe in, who believe in me through their word. So in other words, he's praying for us. Now notice this. He's praying for this. But he's saying, Lord, I'm not just praying this for Peter and John and Bartholomew and Matthew, but I'm going to pray this for anyone in the future that will become a part of the kingdom of God. I mean, he's, he's praying in Israel 2,000 years ago, but he's praying for us in 2020 in this church. And here's what he says. Verse 21, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, so that, so that, so that the world, that's one of those, therefore, so, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Do you see how powerful this is? Do you see how enormous this is? Do you see what this says here? That, that this, this divine command to be unified has gospel proclaiming propensities to it. Gospel proclaiming effects to it. Whether it will be successful or not. That the world may know. That they may believe. Why? Because only God can bring men together truly in, in a true bond of unity. 
Man can't do it. Politics can't do it. You can't do it on a human level. But how many of you know the Spirit of God can do it? And he said in verse 22, The glory which you have given me, I have given them. This is our glory. He says that they may be one, just as we are one. I and them and you and me. That they may be perfected in unity. Perfected in unity. Perfected in unity. So that the world may know that you sent me. And loved them even as you have loved me. Now every Christian, every Christian in the world has seven things in common. And I've read them to you. I emphasize them. Here they are. One body. There's one body. There's one church. One. There's just one church. You're not going to get up to heaven and there'll be like an assembly of God part. You know, and then there's a Baptist part over here, and you got a Presbyterian part over here, and whatever, and all these parts. No, if we're saved, we're part of the great body of Christ. Come on. There's one body. That is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church. And we meet in all kind of different locales. When the church is mentioned in the New Testament, very rarely does it mention it in a universal sense. It does, but you realize that what it mentions more often is the locality. The church in Laodicea, the church in Smyrna, the church in Corinth, the church, the church in the house. One, one guy had a church in his house. In fact, most of them were all in the house. But they were in cities. Why? That's where the Christians met. Now, so we go to different places. There's some, but listen, one day we're going to have a catching up time. There's going to be a meeting where we're caught up in the air and we're all going to be joined together. What a time that's going to be. One body. Everybody say one body. And then he says this, there's one spirit. There's one spirit. Do you know what makes you a Christian? If you have the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a Christian. Because we've been baptized into one spirit. This is called being born again. This is a spiritual birth that you and I have been born into. Isn't that amazing? So think about this. The same spirit that's in me is in you. The same spirit that's in you is in, in me. It's, it's bigger than any earthly thing. You understand that it rises above any earthly thing. It doesn't wash out earthly things, but it supersedes it. One spirit. We've been baptized in. There's one Holy Spirit that ties us all together. So that means this. That means if I have, if I have a blood kin family member that's not saved, that I'm closer, closely, more closely united to you than I am to them. In fact, the truth is I'm separated from them and I'm united with you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in the new birth. And then he says, there's one hope. What is the one hope? It's the hope of the resurrection. It's the hope that these bodies are not going to decay and just perish. But there's going to be a great resurrection. Our hope is the hope of the physical resurrection of our bodies. The dead in Christ will rise first. And then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's one hope. There's one Lord. Who would that be? Come on, shout it. You're not ashamed of it. Come on. The Lord Jesus Christ. There's one Lord. There's one Savior. 
There's not three or four Savior. If you're saved, there's one Lord. There's one Jesus who hung on the cross, buried and rose again on the third day, ascended 40 days later. There's one Lord. He's the Lord. He's the Messiah. He's the one that John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's the one who opened blinded eyes, caused the lame to hear, raised the dead, walked on the water. That's the one I'm talking about, Jesus. The demons even know who he is. We know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. He's the Lord. Come on. One Lord. There's one faith. What does that mean? That means probably a couple things. There's one faith that we have. One faith. We have the faith systematized and given in this supernatural book to us in the word of God. These 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. But I also believe that it means the way in which we come to the Lord. If you've come to Jesus, if you're, if you're in the body, then you've walked the pathway of faith. Because no one comes to the Lord except through faith. You can't buy your way in. The rich man said, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, there's no one good but God. He was trying to get him to say, well, Jesus, you're God. But there's only one way to come. And everyone who's ever come to Jesus came in the same door. The same door. And that's the door of faith. Jesus said, I'm the door of the sheep. And all God's sheep come through the same door. And that door is trust in Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And this faith saves anyone. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever calls on the Lord. And I'm telling you, for the last 2,000 years, all over this planet, all the way from Jerusalem to here and beyond, everyone who's called upon the Lord has been transformed by the grace of God. Only one pathway of faith. And then he says, one baptism. And this could be the spirit baptism, or this could be water baptism. It's probably spirit baptism. Now, when I say spirit baptism, I mean the 1 Corinthians 12, 13 spirit baptism. We've all been made to drink of one spirit. We've all been baptized into one body. Do you realize Paul talked about this in Romans chapter 6, when he says, we've been baptized into Christ. So at that moment, What happened, you didn't see it with your physical eyes, but you experienced in your inner man. I mean, you understand when you got saved, your hair didn't change color. I mean, I wish when I got saved, I lost 10 pounds, you know, something like that. You know, I wish when I got saved that, you know, hey, there's $10,000 more in your... No, none of that happens. This is a spiritual transaction, glory to God. And if you could see what happens, it's God does surgery on you. And he takes your old life of sin and and that Adamic nature, that life that we had in fallen Adam, and he takes that and he buries it down in the grave and he says, no more. That old life, no more. That old life of sin is gone. That old life of disobedience is gone. That old life of rebellion is gone and prejudice is gone and darkness is gone. It's buried. Come on. And all of a sudden, just like a minister bring you out of water, Jesus brings you out by the Spirit, and you, you're raised, the, the Romans says, Romans 6, 4, to live a brand new life. I'm talking about this kingdom life. And then there's, notice, 
one God and Father. One God and Father. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. He said, that's three, but yeah, but they're one. But they're three, yeah, but they're one. But they're three, but they're one. Don't try to figure it out. It'll make your head just... Did we, see, did we hear God the Father? And we see him in the pages of Scripture. Yes. Do we see Jesus? Yes. Do we see the Holy Spirit? Yes. One God. Completely unified. It's their glory. He said, the glory we had. Give them that glory. So think about this today. Notice every, every one of those seven things that I just mentioned. They all focus on him. Now stop. Stop and think. Did you notice every one of those things focus on him? See, if we focus our lives, our desires, our will, our interests, if it starts getting on us, we lose unity. But if we'll all just get our eyes off ourselves and get our eyes on Jesus, guess what's going to happen? We're going to get unified because he's the only one that can unify us. We have way too many differences. But guess what? There's common ground. Every Christian has those seven things in common. And they're incredible. And they supersede anything on this earth. Here's here's another thing. We not only share common ground, there's common grace. Look at verse 7. Verse 7. Verse 7 says, but to each one, to each one, to each one of us, grace was given. Each one of us. Each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Now, what Paul's speaking here particularly is the ministers have received grace. Paul says, Paul is saying, all of us apostles, all of us ministers, all the prophets, all of us have received grace. We have been given a ministry by the Holy Spirit. And by the way, that's the only way to get in the ministry. God has to give you grace to do it. Don't ever get in the ministry unless you have the grace to do it. You will get pummeled. You won't make it. But grace keeps us there. Grace calls us there. Grace just makes us effective in what God's called us to do. And Paul particularly here is talking about the different grace. And then he says, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But as we broaden it out, we realize this, that every Christian has been given grace to be part of this amazing body of Christ. I won't refer to it for time's sake, but 1 Corinthians 12 talks about some have, by by the same spirit, say that with me, by the same spirit. It's the same spirit, but some people work in, are, are used in words of knowledge. Some people are used in words of wisdom. Some are used in prophecy. Some are used in encouragement. Others are used in tongue and interpretation. Some have a gift of Holy Spirit to lay hands on the sick and they recover. Some, some people have a sense of compassion about them. That's, that's supernatural in a sense. Why? Because grace has been given the body of Christ. And guess where unity comes? Unity comes when we begin to serve each other with the grace that we have. Now, if we come to church and we're all going, well, you know, and, and let me tell you, American Christians are some of the craziest folks. We've gotten it all backwards. We people go church shopping. Well, let me see what I'm going to get out of this church. And yeah, well, I like the preacher. I like the Sunday school teacher. Do I like the music? What are they going to do for me, 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 me? And I can tell you this, Jesus never did that. Never did that one time. Maybe you need to go to a church 
that doesn't have something so you can add it. Maybe, isn't that a novel idea? And, what, and how does unity happen when we realize every one of us has Holy Spirit? Every one of us has an anointing. Every one of us has a, something we can add, something we can serve with. And unity comes when we start meeting needs. And then all the needs are met because everyone's using the grace that God's given them. We have common ground, but we all have common grace. Different? Yes. But it's the same, it's, it's a, it comes from the same place. As each of us believers use our gifts, the unity of the church is strengthened. And the church is helped. Oh. Paul said this, from whom the whole body is fitted and held together. Notice, by what every joint supplies, every joint supplies, according to the proper working of, of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building of, up of itself of love. Every joint supplies, each individual part is working and grace is flowing. And all of a sudden, the church grows because everybody's chipping in. That's, that's church growth. Think about it. Common ground, common grace. Here's the second thing quickly. What about the path? How do we get there? Pastor, we have common ground. Seven areas of common ground. We have common grace. We've all been anointed. What's the pathway? How do we get there? There's only one pathway. And that, that pathway is the path, the path of Christian unity is the character of the Holy Spirit. There's only one way. You, you'll never attain it. Unless there's Christian spiritual character. Look, notice what he says here. With all humility, gentleness, and patience, showing tolerance. Four things. Four things. Underscore It's humility, gentleness, patience, and tolerance. Some translations say forbearance. For one another in love. Now notice, he doesn't tell us to make unity. No one can make unity. No preacher can make unity. No church can impose unity. No group can impose unity. We don't make the unity. When we come to Jesus, it's already been made. Only God can make the unity. And the way he does it is, when a person says yes to Jesus, he unites them to the body. It's done. It's done supernaturally. But notice this, four ways, humility. And that's just a lowly spirit. That's a humble, a humble spirit. When we have humility, here's what humility does. The principle of spiritual humility opens our spiritual eyes. Pride closes our spiritual eyes. Now, my eyes are not the best anymore. And I've been complaining about it. Even though the Bible says doesn't compl don't complain, I'm complaining about it. And when I put these glasses on, everything becomes clear. They actually have no-line bifocals. <clears throat> I don't know what that means. But pride closes the eye. Pride brings spiritual disease. And when I have pride, guess what? I can't see myself like I really need to be seen because I'm blind to my own needs. My spiritual life and mind is distorted. I can't see God the right way. And most importantly, maybe not most importantly, but also when, when there's not humility, I don't see other people in the right way. And all of a sudden, pride it causes us to have an exaggerated sense of self-importance. And guess what it brings? Strife. 
every single time. All strife in this world comes from pride and arrogance. Paul said, or the writer of Proverbs said this, where there is strife, there is pride. Hear that? Is it clear? Where there is pride, there is strife. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. It's only by humility. It's only by seeing ourselves in the light that we're all in need of God's grace. We all are fallen creatures lifted by the grace of God. Deserve nothing but been blessed with amazing grace and love from God. The world sees humility as something to be avoided. But Jesus said true greatness is found in humility. Proverbs says, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, but humility goes before honor. Gentleness. Gentleness is just having a kind spirit, a gentle spirit. It's it's really, technically, it's power under control. It's not weakness. And I would just say this. Can't we be kinder? I know I can. I, I need to be kinder. I need to be gentler. Okay, the Bible says a gentle answer turns away wrath. You never get, we'll never get unity by hate. And we'll never get unity by pride and arrogance. Philippians says, notice, I love this in this translation. Philippians says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Look at that. Let your gentle, isn't that beautiful? Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. When I think of gentleness, I think of people like Mabel Hutchison. Right? Gentle. It says, the Lord is near. Wouldn't it be horrible if the church is fussing and fighting and we're not being kind and gentle to one another and then the Lord comes and all his kids are fussing. Your mom and dad ever came home when you were young and you're fussing? And they say, hey, what's going on here? I don't want Jesus to come down here and say, hey, what's going on down here in this church? I want him to say, hey, look at you guys. You're bringing glory to my name. See, when we're gentle and, when we're gentle and humble, do you know we're in great company? How do I know that? Look at this verse. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. For I am, I am gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. You want to be like Jesus? Oh, I, I listen. I, I, I'm, I'm repenting on this one. I want to be humble. I want to be gentle because I, I want to be like Jesus. Come on. Patience. Patience just means to be, you know, long-tempered, you know. Uh, God is patient with us, right? And then he talks about tolerance and love. Other translations, uh, t- forbearance. It means that we give people space to be different. And I'm not talking about sin, but I'm talking about just differences in our lives. There's differences. In, in your own home, there's differences. If there's two people in the, in the house, there are differences. Differences on how you fold the towel, how you put the toilet paper on the roll. Come on. <laughs> just so many differences. One, one, one person said this, in essentials, notice this, this is important, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. 
in everything charity. That's good, isn't it? There's some non-negotiables. There's some things that we, we, we there's some things that if we let go, it's not a church anymore. And we violate the word of God. But there's some things that are not that important. Really, the non-essentials. I mean, you know, we're building a new building. What the color of the carpet or the floor is, it really, does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. What, what, like if we have chairs or pews, you know, churches have actually divided over like a seat. I mean, in the light of all of eternity, how could you divide over a seat? I mean, if you're going to divide over something, let's do it for bigger than that, right? Some things are not a big deal. Let's don't make big deals of the little things. But they're, listen, I love that. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In everything, charity. So think about this. Think about this. Look at this with me. We're going to have Christian, we're going to not walk the path of unity. We've got to have Christian character. We've got to have those four things, but we also have to maintain it. Now, just quickly here, and I'm going to close. We, we have to maintain. We don't create the unity. You heard me say that, but we have to maintain the unity. Now, see, this, this non-effort Christianity is not a thing of the Word of God. This easy believism, no effort, you know, just kind of kind of float along to heaven, is completely against the word of God. It takes W-O-R-K to live for God. How do I know? So how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this, Pastor? How do we maintain the unity of the Spirit? Here's what verse 3 says. Being diligent, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of... Be diligent. You know what that... Now, sometimes I should say endeavoring. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. You know what that literally means? To strain with every nerve. To strain with every nerve. To, to have unity unhindered. To have unity unbroken. To keep the bond of peace. Bond has to do with gluing together. Bondo or glue. Peace unites us. Love unites us. Humility unites us. Kindness unites us. Patience unites us. But we have to work at it. Now, if you've been married for more than a week, you had, you had to work on your marriage. I'm not looking to the left over here because I don't, I don't, I don't want to have to live this stuff. I just want to talk about it, right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> of course you've had. I mean, we've been married, we'll be married 34 years in a few weeks. Two different human beings, two different backgrounds. Think about it. You got to work at it. Don't you think we have to work at it in the church? Unity. Straining with every nerve to keep the harmony. I close with this story. True story. Some of you won't know this story because you weren't born yet. But you know, there were people on the earth in 1986. Yeah, there were. Come on, Amen. I know some people don't believe that. There were actually human beings on the earth in 1986. Something happened tragic, actually, in 1986. I was actually watching the TV when this happened. The shuttle Challenger was sent off through Cape Canaveral, at Cape Canaveral. And that amazing, amazing machine going out into the space... And then about 70 to 90 seconds in, we all watched there. And it just and it exploded into 10 gazillion pieces. 
And I can almost feel those feelings coming on me now as I thought about those people. That, remember the teacher that was the, the teacher and her, her little class was so excited and the little class was watching and then all of a sudden, boom, it was gone. And, and their parents of some of those astronauts were, in a, were sitting in the stands that were like a mile or so away because of the, and, and, but they were watching and they, and, and they took some pictures and those people, their faces are in horror. Shuttle Challenger consisted of one million parts. One million. They came to the conclusion after long study, years of study, years of investigation. It all happened. The disaster happened because of an O-ring about that size right there. A cheap O-ring, a little cheap rubber O-ring created that disaster. Do you know this? Most Christians think that their lives don't matter in the church. Most Christians don't think that they have any influence in the church. But that is the biggest lie the enemy ever fed the church. A lot of great things have been destroyed by very small things. I'm going to tell you, every single one of us matter in the unity of the church. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, today we've heard your word, oh God. We've heard your word, Lord Jesus. Ah, help us, Jesus. Help us to be your church, Lord Jesus. To a divided, broken, angry world, help us to show your love. Help us to show your compassion. Forgive us as your precious church, which you purchased with your blood, that we haven't been kinder. But I thank you for your patience. Thank you, Lord. I want you to stand with me. Here's, here's our prayer. Here's what's ringing in my ears right now to pray for. Here's what's ringing in my ears. Brother Gordon, that the video, Pastor Gordon, my buddy, he, he talked about how each person can make a difference. Didn't he say that? Didn't he talk about how each person, each person, he even said, that he did, he's, you know, we don't have the answer, but Jesus is the answer. But Jesus in us can make a, the difference today. Don't you believe that? So just put your hand on your heart today and let's just ask Jesus to fill us with his grace so that we can be difference makers. Father, we ask that Jesus would fill us again and again. Fill our hearts, Lord. Fill our lives today with your love, your mercy, and your grace. We worship you. We praise your glorious grace. Thank you that we have common ground, that we're the family of the Lord. We're the family of the Lord. We're one body. We have one spirit. We have one father. We have one faith. We've been baptized into one baptism. Lord, thank you. We have one Lord, 
Jesus, you're our Lord. And we're your precious children. Thank you, Father. Just pray in your own way. I don't want to recite a prayer, but just ask God to make you a, a, a person that's a difference maker in the area of unity and harmony in the body of Christ. Thank you for your mercy. Oh, come on, just cry out to the Lord right now. Cry out to the Lord. If you've created disunity in the church, ask the Lord to forgive you. If there's pride there, ask the Lord to forgive you. If, you created, if you've created disunity in your marriage, fix it. Fix it. If you've created disunity in your office by arrogance or pride, fix it. Repentance is fixing it, not just praying about it. we got to fix it. Because doctrine and duty go together. Paul said, therefore, do this. And so, Lord, we want the world to know. And we want the world to see that you have made a difference in our lives. And, Lord, our love is, is, is not discriminatory. But our love is for all. Your gospel is for all. Your blood is for all. Your spirit is for all. Thank you today. Lord, and help us to work at it. To endeavor, to strain with every nerve, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know what I really wish I could do? And I know it's, we're social distancing and all, but I wish that we could just gather up here for a time of worship and just just praying together. I wish we had our altars. We could just kneel down. This is one of those moments. But the Lord knows all that. But I want you to know that this unity of the Spirit is that divine command. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to work at it, aren't you? Come on, amen. I'm going to work at it today. Praise God. All right. We're going to close with some brief prayers. Um, who is... Uh, I'm praying about the first one. <laughs> um, just be patient here. I know we have a full time and we've got a, we have another service here. But I want you guys that are going to pray. Would you come and join me? Would you please come and join me and just stand with me? In the Assemblies of God, we're praying my point of prayer today as we close. We're going to pray for racial recon reconciliation. And this is what everybody in the Assemblies of God is praying for today at conclusion. To move forward in noticeable ways. To let it begin with the body of Christ coming in one together like I preached this morning. Hear this. There is no place for racism in the Christian life. If you're a racist, you're not a Christian. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you love your neighbors, yourself. Father, we pray for our land today. That Lord, the division that we've seen and the pain... Lord, we pray. We pray for your cleansing in our land. Lord, that, that I pray that as Americans we would see how valuable we are. How valuable each person in this land is. Because we have a fundamental belief that every person is created in the likeness of God. 
And that, that is the therefore of the Christian church. Therefore, we love. And Lord, we pray for that reconciliation. Let it start in the church. In Jesus' name. Now Jason is going to pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So, Father, we join our voices and our hearts this morning with those who have lost life during this this time of, of rioting and tragedy during the coronavirus time. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would just first bring peace into their hearts. Lord, that they would turn to you in this time, Father. They wouldn't turn towards hatred. They wouldn't turn towards revenge. They wouldn't turn towards uh, disunity, Father. But their hearts would be turned, Father. You just grab their heart by your Holy Spirit and turn it to you, Father. I just thank you, Lord, just like the the pastor said, that it's a heart matter. Father, I pray that the hearts of those who have been affected by this tragedy and this tragic time, uh, Lord, in this time of unrest, would just be taken and turned to you and softened and not hardened. Father, that they would run into you as their source in this time of trouble. So, Lord, we just pray your peace upon them. We pray, Lord, even a season of joy coming out of this. Father, that they can live their lives in, uh, in unity with each other and in unity with what your word says that we should do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I want to pray for those who are fearful um, in, in these troubled times. Lord, I just... I pray right now, Lord, for peace to come over those who are walking in fear. They don't want to walk in fear, but Lord, there's so many things around us that are changing, that are unsure. But Lord, I thank you that we can look to you who is absolutely the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you never change and you're never shaken. And so we can lean on you. We can trust in you and know that you're not going to change. Nothing's going to change about you. Your word is true. Your promises are true. Everything is going to be, uh, is promised to us is true. And Lord, I just pray that we lean on that and that fear will be cast out and that Uh, perfect peace will come in the hearts of all of us, Lord, and all of of us in in our nation, Lord, that we will turn to you, Jesus. We thank you, Father, for that peace. 1 Timothy chapter 2 says, First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. And so we want to pray this morning for all those uh, whom they've taken on the responsibility of maintaining peace and leading our country. And so, Father, we come before you today. Lord, we thank you for our military. We thank you for our police officers. God, we know that so many people, Lord, there's been mistakes that are made. God, we've all made mistakes. And God, in the heat of the moment, Lord, for these police officers and these military, God, and all those, Lord, who have accepted the responsibility of trying to maintain peace, God, give them a clear thinking. Give them a level head. Lord, help them to say words that bring peace, Lord, and not anger. God, just speak words, Lord, that heal 
a hurt, Lord. It speaks to those who are, who are hurting today. But God, it's words from you, Lord, to minister to people. God, we are, we're a grateful nation. We're grateful for our military. We're grateful for our police officers. But Lord, we just pray for your protection over them. God, that you would be a shield behind them, Lord, and in front of them. Lord, as we pray for them, that you're building a hedge of protection around them. Lord, for those that don't know you, Lord, that as they go out to work, Lord, they would fall on their knees, Lord God, and ask you into their heart, into their life, Lord, and to be led by you, Lord God. We just pray that you would minister to them. Lord, they could be discouraged in all of this that is going on. So many good men and so many good women trying to do a good thing. Lord, don't let them be discouraged today. Lord, our nation stands behind them because we need them. But God, we also need them to be able to, to, be, able to be led by you, to know what to do and what to say and what not to do and what not to say. Lord, so that our nation can come back together again. Lord, because we need our healing. Lord, we started with our eyes on you as a nation. And the reason we're in a place today where we are is because we took our eyes off of you. But we bring our eyes back to you. Lord, you're our strength and you're our hope. Lord, minister to our president, minister to everyone, Lord, who has a responsibility of leading our country, leading our communities. Help them to find strength and wisdom and guidance in you. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Romans 13, one through three says, every person, is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they will have opposed. Those who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. I'm going to pray for the rioting, the looting, and the burning to stop. Father, I remember when I was a rioter. Father, I remember when I was a looter. I was a burner. I was a destroyer. But your grace change that God God that's what these people need they need you to change them God they need to change God in Jesus name Amen Amen Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says he has shown you O man what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I'm going to pray that the voices of the people that are peacefully protesting will be heard and that those who just come to create violence would stop. Amen. So, Lord, we pray for those who've chosen a way of peace, God, in our nation in this time. And, Father, you see the hearts of every man. Lord, you know the hearts of men even before we know. You know the intentions, 
And Lord, you know and you see those who are peacefully going and protesting to stop, Lord, this disunity, to stop this conflict that we have in our nation. And Lord, you see their hearts and you see the good that they have in them. And God, I pray for them. I pray, Lord, we pray for them. And we ask that, Lord, your hand would be upon them. We ask that you would protect them. That, Lord, as they go and as they protest, Lord, that if the enemy tries to come and incite them and tries to come and distract them or tries to come and disturb them in any way, that, Lord, that would be broken off in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, we speak against these groups, Lord, that are more like terrorists than they are helpers in any way. God, that come to incite violence, that come to harm people, that come to hurt the message in what these people have have said they were coming to protest for peacefully, that have come to just destroy everything that they're trying to do. Lord, I speak against those groups. And Lord, I speak against any powers, any demonic spirits, any demonic forces, Lord, that are, that are behind these things. Lord, we know this is the enemy. We know this is what he does. Lord, he kills and he destroys. And Lord, we rebuke those things in the name of Jesus. We take authority over those things. Father, I pray that your church would rise up and that, Lord, you would fill us with the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit to stand firm and to pray against these things and to believe that God, through you, through your power, you're going to bring restoration to our country, to our communities, to our cities, that God, there is going to be peace and it's going to come through you. So Father, I pray that Lord, you protect those who peacefully go and Lord, you would remove those who go to cause violence that they would be casted off in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. I'm going to pray for our civil leaders that they would have wisdom and courage to make the changes that promote righteousness and justice. A couple passages out of Proverbs. Chapter 14, 34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Chapter 2, verse 6 to 8. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. Let's lift up these leaders in prayer today. Lord, we thank you for these leaders of authority that you've put in place, God. As humans, we, we're so feeble, we're so meek, and we need you, God. We need your power, we need your spirit and they needed even more, God, to make these decisions. We pray any meetings they're in, God, where these decisions are made, which let your spirit be manifest in those rooms, God. Let your power be seen in these decisions that these people need to make to make change because we know that change needs to come. This isn't right what's happening, God. We know that the change is in you. The change isn't found in us, isn't, isn't found in our understanding. It's found in you, it's found in your word. Pray these leaders would, would delve into your word your understanding and know that you are the answer, Lord. Thank and even though this heinous act happened on American soil, we pray for our American leaders, but this is a worldwide issue. This is an issue of humanity, God. Yes. We pray for our, everyone over this whole world, all the leaders making these decisions. Just let your power be in them, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, today, thank you. We lift our hearts to you. Lord, as we dismiss this service today, I pray that your grace and mercy would rest upon our lives. We need your help, Lord, in this church and in our nation and around the world. Lord, let your spirit be poured out, we pray. Now, church, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit 
be with you all in Jesus' mighty name.